1: Sports Talk Mississippi ah! on your radio
0: and in the game right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Ah! And here we sit one month away from the college football season on this Wednesday afternoon in Sports Talk Mississippi streaming live at supertalk.fm. I'm Michael Borke. We have Brian Haydad and Brian Scott Rippy with you this afternoon. And Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. You can be a part of the show if you'd like this afternoon. Text us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. And all guests appear on the Farm Bureau guest line. Boys, we are now officially one month away from college football. Don't all jump, jump in here at once, guys. This is an audio medium.
2: Um, Well, you do have week zero, but I get what you mean. The first real weekend of football. It just Isn't it going to feel like it, though, when it starts week zero? Because you have like those two Saturday games and then a Thursday turnaround?
1: Yeah, it, it'll really start that Thursday night. Flo- Florida, Florida State, or it's Miami and Florida, not Florida, Florida State. That's at the end of the year. Uh, Miami and Florida will not feel like it counts. It's one game, and then you still have to wait five more days to get another one. i That's just kind of like an appetizer, not not a real like introduction to college football.
2: I don't know, man. I promise plenty of people will watch that, and then the lead-in. That might be the most-watched Hawaii football game in a decade after it when they play Arizona. Dude, I, used to, I think people will be starving for it.
1: I used to love watching Hawaii football games for some reason. It's not like they were really any good. I guess they had that one Sugar Bowl run, but... Uh, like watching Colt well, Brennan. Yeah, Colt Brennan and then what was it Timmy Chang back in the uh, what was it the early 2000s with Timmy Chang and he led college football in passing and didn't work in the NFL just like Colt Brennan didn't either but um I, I something about it whether it was the crowd shots of just like those shirtless dudes that were all painted up like they were about to go to war and, and just like Just random B roll of the beach. I always enjoyed watching Hawaii football sitting in my living room in Upstate South Carolina for some reason. Almost like I felt like I was there.
2: You weren't though. Yeah, they they had some decent teams. Like what? Brennan set the FBS touchdown record for a while, or did I have that right? Something Chang did that. I'm pretty sure Colt Brennan had it. Uh, I
1: have to look. I know Chang did. If you had to guess right now without looking, who leads all of college football in total passing yards for a career?
0: It's got to be somebody from – from. I wouldn't be totally surprised if you told
1: me it was like – it's probably still Timmy Chang, isn't it? Case Keenum. Oh, uh, yeah, 19,000 right, yeah. passing yards in Case Keenum's career. Timmy Chang is second. Landry Jones, third. You got Graham Harrell. Uh, Ty Detmer, his last year in college was 91, and he still is fifth all-time in passing in college football history. Uh, Colt Brennan is ninth, for whatever that may be worth to you.
2: Yes, so on November 23rd, 07, he broke the college uh, career record for touchdown passes with 122. Colt Brennan.
1: Let's see what he's up to now. He is a former American professional quarterback, according to Wikipedia. His last year in professional football was with the Los Angeles Kiss in 2014. (laughs) The Kiss. Well, wasn't that a team that was owned by Gene Simmons? It was owned owned by Kiss, yeah. And then the Philadelphia Soul was owned by uh, Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi, yeah. You know, we're getting arena football back in Mississippi, right? I saw that, yeah. Yeah. Have you seen this, Rippy?
2: No, what's going on? The Mississippi
1: Mudcats, I think, in some kind of arena league is coming back, and they'll start next year sometime.
2: Interesting. They almost got a D-League team, but I think they took a glance at the Coliseum and were like, nah.
1: Yeah, they, Jackson and Biloxi were both me. in uh, in the final seven teams that the franchise asked to submit a bid, and they ended up sending them to Birmingham. Uh, They're getting a fully renovated arena in Birmingham. So that kind of sealed the deal for that. But yeah, we're getting uh, minor league arena football. Or maybe it is just, I don't know how the arena league structure works anymore. It used to be like kind of, not kind of, it was well watched. I mean, people went, they sold out arenas, they had time slots on ESPN. Like people cared about the AFL there for a couple of years.
2: They did, but there are multiple leagues. Like, would this Mississippi team be in the AFL? I figured it'd be in something a bit smaller. Maybe I'm wrong.
1: I'm trying to find out here. Speaking of that Thursday night game, we get a text here from Charlie uh, that says, what will Georgia Tech look like against Clemson on that Thursday night? Uh, uh, They'll look like they don't belong. And and it's not the fault of anybody involved. Transitioning from the triple option to normal football is going to take a couple of years at best. They won't belong on the field with Clemson. That game could be like 65 to 3 if Clemson really wanted it to be. Yeah. Nothing against Coach Collins.
0: He'll have the swag very soon there in Atlanta, but not this year.
2: The Mudcats are joining the National Gridiron League, whatever right. that means.
1: Who else is in it? What is it? The Baton Rouge Red Sticks or one of the teams?
2: Uh, let's see. Should
1: give you a list there somewhere. Richard and Wiggins asked where they're playing. Um, that will be at the, the Coliseum in downtown Jackson, as yeah. far as I know. Yeah, that's correct.
2: Pennsylvania Pioneers, Virginia Destroyers, Virginia Iron Horses. Wow, Virginia, two National Gridiron League franchises. Pretty impressive. They got it going on. Indiana Firebirds, Indiana Blue Bombers. Kansas Capitals, St. Louis Stampede, Texas Bighorns, Baton Rouge Red Sticks, and Arkansas Twisters. That could be misconstrued. Um, Atlanta Wildcats.
0: (laughs) What happened to that guy? I gave him an Arkansas Twister. He's never the same.
2: (laughs) But, yeah, so. No No hotter rivalry in
0: sports than the Indiana Firebirds and the Indiana Blue Bombers. They hate each other.
1: They're in separate cities, right? What two cities in Indiana can have an arena league team?
2: Um,
1: buddy, you got me.
2: Yeah, you got me on that one. Hold on. This is far more research
0: on this, uh, this uh, than I plan on doing.
1: This is kind of interesting. I mean, it's you know, it is one month away from football season. By the way, this week. All of us went to school at some point in our lives, right? All of you listening were in school. This week, for some reason to me, feels like the last week of school. When, like the school year flies by, right? And you just, like you remember your first football game and then all, all of a sudden it's May. But then the last week of school, it feels like it took five months to get through five days. That's how I feel this week. Not that we, I think we've done pretty good shows this week as well, but... It just like It's only Wednesday, and it feels like it has been three weeks since we have started on Monday with, guys, it's camp week. Football's back. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, everybody starts on Friday. Football practice is here. It's good to go. It is just dragging along. It doesn't feel that way to me. So I don't know.
0: I'm, I mean, I'm ready for football. Don't get me wrong.
1: But Another text from the six six two. I went and watched the Mississippi Mudcats play in Tupelo. That's where they used to be. I guess they're uh, relocating uh, to Jackson. And uh, he oh, said so it, was it was in entertaining. the late 2000s Is
2: when they played. Okay. Um. So you have Evansville and Fort Wayne with the two Indiana teams. The Firebirds have a really really aggressive logo. I kind of dig it. Um. The Mississippi's
1: yeah, logo is not knows. that not bad either. It's pretty good looking. It's just a big, uh, dressed up catfish. At green and blue, I think are their colors. It looks pretty good. I'll go watch if that's if that's the question. Will you watch arena football in Mississippi? Yeah, I'll give it a shot.
2: Yeah, I mean, could be entertaining. Um, the Arkansas Twisters is more like a cyclone instead of a set of fingers. But, (laughs) 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 woof!
1: Oh, Rippy, what are you doing,
2: man? I don't know. I'm looking through this Indiana or all this this entire league. Kansas Capitals. That logo is kind of boring.
1: Don't they spell capitals with a K?
2: They do. Kansas Capitals. Why
1: do? Why would you do that? Does it give you a city?
2: Topeka. The, hostile uh, the Atlanta environment in Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah.
1: Topeka, Kansas. Huh, that's interesting. I-, I saw that this morning. I, I think um, it was from the people over at News Mississippi just down the hall is where I saw it, and I thought, you know what? Hope it works because more football in this state is not a bad thing. So, anyway. A lot coming up for you this afternoon. Mike Thomas signed his new deal. He is the richest wide receiver in the history Of football, that's probably going to change here soon when Julio Jones signs his new deal. But for right now, the question is, did the Saints overpay five years? $100 million, 61 of it is guaranteed for Mike Thomas. We've also got Stephen Jones from the Cowboys doing more talking, really interesting as well. Some college football stuff, 100 teams in 100 days, a goofy, dumb criminal news story for you, all of that coming your way on Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. We sent the tweet a little bit earlier today, about five hours from now, so right around 10 o'clock this morning, asked a simple question. Did the Saints overpay Michael Thomas with a five-year, $100 million contract? And 61% of you said, yeah, that the Saints overpaid for Michael Thomas. So here are the details. $61 million guaranteed. He is currently... The highest paid receiver in the NFL, but most anticipate... Actually, it's just going to happen. Julio Jones is going to get a new deal that will exceed this one. But for right now, Mike Thomas is the highest paid receiver in the NFL. $20 million a year salary for the receiver out of Ohio State. He led the NFL in receptions a year ago. He also has had a better start, or more productive start, in his first three years in his NFL career in the history of the position of wide receiver so michael thomas guys five years 100 million dollars did the saints overpay for their star wide receiver
0: i'm gonna say no because that was the number that was going to get him into camp and they need him this this isn't like the cowboys where they could be pretty good this is a team built to win the super bowl this year and they they couldn't afford they couldn't afford to have him miss the season they couldn't afford to hold out they needed him in camp they had to, this was the number to pay him they had to do it
2: uh yeah 20 million for a wide receiver probably too much had to do it though but at the same time like i was talking to uh when i was on vacation last week I was talking to an agent out there and it's like yeah like you have some leverage in a holdout, but what are you going to do, not play the season? Like You rarely see a Le'Veon Bell-type situation. So he was going to show at some point. I think $20 is too much, but in some ways you probably had to do it because that's kind of what the market dictated.
1: I'm really conflicted on this uh, myself uh, because, on, on one hand, like Haydad said, you have to get him. I, I mean, he, he led the league in receptions a year ago. His drop rate is unbelievable. When you throw him the football, he catches the football. And especially last year, leading the league in receptions – and that was when their number 2 receiver, Ted Ginn, missed most of the season with an injury, and they didn't have any kind of threat at the tight end position whatsoever, and their other receivers, Tommy Lee Lewis, Traquan Smith, whoever, uh, weren't really productive or stepping up into a secondary role. He was basically on an island of one. Defenses were able to bracket cover him. They were able to focus on just stopping Mike Thomas in the passing game, and he still led the league in reception. So his ceiling... He may not even have reached his ceiling yet. He's still a young wide receiver, just three years in the league. So you want to pay that guy. You want to keep that guy. But having $20 million tied up into one wide receiver is something that the franchise has never done before. Nobody else in the NFL has ever done before either. So it's uh, uncharted waters, and they still have pieces. They still have Jared Cook, which I think will help a ton in the receiving game, even though he's not a wide receiver. Basically, for all intents and purposes, is Kamara catching the ball out of the backfield, and you do need to win right now. It it is a win-now deal. You don't know how many years you have left with Drew Brees, and in a perfect world, you win another Super Bowl with Drew Brees and let him ride off into the sunset. You've got to do it now. A bunch of guys that you've drafted that have been massive successes are coming off of rookie deals, and I guess this is just what you have to do in order to keep him but it just feels weird handing twenty million dollars to one wide receiver.
0: It won't feel weird in a, a couple of, a couple of months, maybe a year, when there's three or four guys making that. When Julio Jones, uh, maybe Amari Cooper, uh, you know, maybe if he straightens himself out, Antonio Brown, there are going to be other receivers making this kind of money soon enough. This was just the first guy, and uh, that's why it
1: feels weird, I think. At least it's better that the Saints are the first instead of the fourth or fifth. I wouldn't yeah. feel as good about this if, if the Saints were in Atlanta's position right now. And I oh, saw that, yeah. a ton of Falcons media making fun of the Saints today. It's like, well, hold on a second, guys. Mike Thomas actually catches touchdown passes, and you're about to pay Julio more. So enjoy your last for the next few days. For me, the uh, the funniest tweet of the
0: day was some guy who tweeted at uh, – I think it was Larry Holder, who covers the stands for The Athletic, tweeted at him, good luck building a team now. And Holder was like, the team is built. What are you talking about? <laughs> what do you mean building a team?
1: I, I mean, I, maybe this is a little Homer in me, but what else do they need to do? Or what else could they do? Yeah. Maybe the interior of the defensive line – and, oh, but,
0: you know, the the reports out of camp is that Malcolm Brown has looked very good early
1: on. Yeah, so. and then Eric McCoy is the guy you drafted to slide in and, and be your center. But otherwise, you're you're pretty darn good everywhere else. Yeah. Any other thoughts on this, Rippy?
2: Um, no, not really. I mean, I've seen they had to do it. I would have been interested to see if they had kind of called his bluff, I guess, a little longer. But a lot of the times in this thing, both sides want to get a deal done. They just want to make sure – they're responsible for their own best interests as well as like trying to get it done. So you know, I guess it's better than an ugly holdout in a public I guess holdout. So you know, a lot of money. Hopefully, he lives up to it.
1: From the six hundred one, if the contract is front loaded, it is. Uh, it won't be that bad because Drew's at the end of his career. They have to win. They have to win another one for him now. And even though Mickey Loomis doesn't say that in press conferences, it kind of feels like that's the mentality there do whatever you can to win with Drew Brees, and you'll deal with the fallout whenever he's gone. Because it's a rebuilding process whenever you lose a generational quarterback to begin with. So you might as well embrace it, get a front-loaded contract with Mike Thomas, do whatever you have to do. Cam Jordan got a big deal this offseason to try to win one with Brees. Because when he's gone, you're not going to be a Super Bowl contender for a little while. That's just how it's going to be. So you might as well do whatever you can to do it now.
0: You're right. I mean this this is the time. You you have got the you know, uh, the Saints are gonna be interesting in a couple of years when they have to pay Lattimore, Kamara, and Ramzik. But that time is not now. This is the time to win. This is the time to have you know this is your best opportunity. This is it. And you know, Michael Thomas is a key piece. So had to be done and it just is what it is.
1: Another stat for you. I think I, I think I got this from you hey dad on Twitter. Uh, of the four wide receivers that were drafted in the first round of 2016, it's Corey Coleman, yeah. Will Fuller, Josh Doxon, and Laquan Treadwell. Zero have signed a multi-year second contract. The three of them are the three wide receivers that were picked in the second round have a combined $100 million guaranteed, and Mike Thomas has more receptions than the entire first round of the 2016 yeah, combined. draft.
0: Combined. Those four guys, Coleman, Fuller. Fuller, Doxon, and Treadwell. The the tweet I got from Jeff Duncan, Sterling Shepard was on there. He's only like, I think he's 150 catches behind the five of them because Sterling Shepard's been pretty good. But yeah, I mean, the guy is clearly, clearly worth it to New Orleans.
1: And uh, we'll see what kind of production he has post. Post big contract. We had a few people yesterday and Monday text into the show, and and you can do that too, by the way 601 six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five, and uh, and told us that a lot of these players sign big deals and then taper off. So uh, we'll see if Mike Thomas doesn't strike me as that kind of guy, though. That's well, that's what makes this deal different than like an Odell Beckham Jr. Mike Thomas that, isn't Mike, a headcase. Mike Thomas is of the age that he can get a second big deal if he has if he performs.
0: He's still young enough that in, in five years, he could get another decent-sized
1: deal. And if he doesn't, it's front-loaded. Yeah. $61 million of it is guaranteed, and you try to get up and move on. But uh, there are a few more receivers also on the, uh, the waiting list, Julio Jones being that one. What kind of deal did the Falcons give him now, knowing that the $100 million threshold, well, more so the $20 million a year threshold has been met, and then Amari Cooper as well in Dallas – Needs to get paid at some point. So, what kind of money do those two guys get? Julio, probably, you probably add about
0: 15 to 20 million to this deal,
1: I would imagine. So, 115, maybe over five years still. Give him 22 ish a year. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's massive. He's worth it too, but that is massive. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: He's worth it. Yeah.
2: Having that much tied in one wide receiver kind of hand ties you though, particularly because what?
0: What can you do? What can you do when you, he's the best? When he's the best guy at his position, what can you do?
2: You know, not pay him is, to draft someone else.
0: I mean that, that's 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 a bitter pill to swallow because he's not as good.
2: Sure, but the shelf life on wide receivers is not exactly long either.
0: It's—I mean—it's longer than it is for running backs. At least you, you can get a, a solid decade plus out of a good wide receiver. I mean, how long has Larry Fitzgerald been doing it?
2: Yeah, but is he the exception or the rule? I mean, I don't know. Think about it.
0: Jerry Rice had a long productive career. Uh, Tori—I would had definitely
2: not career. call it Jerry Rice as the norm, though.
0: No, uh, no, but yeah, I mean, Tory Holt had a long productive career. Um, I mean, the, the, there, there are, there's a lot of receivers who've had a decade run. So yeah.
1: We're gonna put that to bed for now we'll get back to the nfl a little bit later on because stephen jones is talking and the cowboys seem to finally have woken up and realized that they're gonna run the team like an actual franchise interesting quotes from stephen jones but next we're gonna talk baseball trade deadline stuff and a real brawl that went down last night in cincinnati at sports talk mississippi in the renaissance bank studio she give half a Texas. Welcome back to Sports Change Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you. She this is probably a, a me problem, but I had no idea that the trade deadline in Major League Baseball was today it's until a brawl broke out last night, but <laughs> I had no idea. Had just very little fanfare going into the trade deadline, and yet... And we'll start, we'll save the brawl for a little bit. We'll start with what appears to be the blockbuster trade so far of the trade deadline, and that is Zach Greinke uh, going to the Astros.
2: It's also different this year is that got rid of the, sec- the waiver trade deadline in August. So this is the only trade deadline there is, which is different than years past.
1: So tell me about this deal. The, the Astros somehow now have a starting rotation that is, uh, they're going to be the Vegas favorite to win the World Series. Oh, uh, who's getting who, and how did this happen, and what does this mean for Major League Baseball?
2: Um, I mean, the Astros added another arm, which would lead them to be probably be the favorite in the AL over the Yankees, because the Yankees really didn't do a whole lot. Um, so I think the two favorites would off would have to be Astros, Dodgers, and I guess if you get a rematch of the 2017 World Series, I don't think anyone would complain about that. Um. So they needed a starting rotation arm, and they got one of the best available, and I'm not even sure how available a lot of teams thought Grinky was, but they got him.
1: So what did they have
0: I, to give up to get him? a repeat of that World Series, as long as they get the exact same result.
2: They gave up Corbin Martin and J.B. Bukowskis, who I believe is a, Oh, recovering from Tommy John. I thought he was a prospect. So. And Seth Beer and Josh Rojas are two prospects that are also headed to the desert. I remember Seth Beer from Clemson.
1: He was nasty as a freshman. Did he taper off later in his career, or did people just stop talking about him? Uh, I think think people just stopped talking about him. The greatest name in
0: sports, by the way. He's a
2: first-round pick. Yeah.
0: Here's. Here's the MLB leaders in WHIP: Justin Verlander, Zach Greinke, Garrett Cole. No, I'm sorry. Garrett Cole is fifth. That's your one, two, three starters in Houston now. So three of the top five in WHIP play for one
1: team. So they're the clear-cut odds-on, no doubt about it, World Series favorite now, right? Yeah, absolutely.
2: Uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers are very good as well. I mean, you have Ryu Kershaw-Buehler. You know. I don't see it with the Dodgers. Just don't.
1: For some reason, is that a hate thing or a something else? I mean, else? I've watched them choke away two World
0: Series. You know, well, I'm I thinking they're going to win it this year. Yeah, that's a hate thing, absolutely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, so that's the blockbuster so far. Houston gets another arm. Atlanta made a trade today as well. Rippy. Uh, Braves fans seem to be excited about it. To tell you the truth, again, this is a me problem. Not a single name I recognized. So who? What kind of deal did the Braves actually make beyond what uh, the fan sites are saying about it?
2: Um. So they added Shane Green, who's the Tigers' closer, former Yankee, who's pretty good. Um. It's had a really good year for a really bad Detroit team. They also um. They added Mark Milancon, I believe. So they basically Lanson. added two pitchers. That, Melancet, excuse me. It, so they basically added two pitchers that um have experienced closing games in the ninth inning. Kind of ironically leading into this deadline, the Braves blew another save uh in the ninth. Today won the game in the tenth, but they badly needed bullpen help and they got it. They also required uh John Ryan Murphy, who's a catcher. I'm not exactly sure what impact if at all he'd have. I remember last year John Ryan Murphy was the third catcher on the Diamondbacks. Not all the teams carry three catchers anymore, but for whatever that's worth.
0: The Braves are, are happiest from what I can tell that they got these bullpen arms that they desperately needed, and then give up one of their top ten prospects to do so.
1: Seems to be a pretty good way to go about your it's a business. Good so, day for Atlanta, yeah. For uh, sure. So, can they take that next step forward? Uh, now that they've got they've got their bullpen help that everybody's been screaming about, uh, can they take that next step? Are they still maybe a year away, or or are they just not at contention level at all? I, I don't know if they're good they're enough. They're winning to beat the, the, the division. Dodgers. Yeah, but are they good enough to beat the Dodgers and win the World Series? Yeah, that's though? what I'm talking about. Is taking the next step from last year?
2: I mean, they I don't did know that if they're
1: last good year. To
2: do that? Well, I mean, baseball it doesn't necessarily operate like that. You get in a seven game series or much less a five game series in the DS, and you know you get two, three ridiculous starting pitching performance is an entire series change so certainly they're good enough the dodgers probably better top to bottom but you know this was one of the brave this was the brave's most glaring weakness was the back end of their bullpen and they fixed that so I mean, well isn't every sport like that though regime. i mean
1: in the nba you have a player that has a hot shooting night he can change the dynamic of a series you in the nfl bad weather could affect a game and a wild card team could win a conference championship i mean you know, there's factors that change every sport in the An postseason. Official could
0: go completely blind, deaf, and dumb for 30 seconds, and you don't go to the Super Bowl. I'm sorry. I'm still. I'm still. Well, back. I'm I, sorry.
2: I mean, sure, but it's not. That's also not the same as the Warriors playing the Los Angeles Clippers in the first round, where the outcome is basically pretty determined. You don't really get that in baseball very much.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Well, then we just won't talk about that until it happens. Um, Major League Baseball last night, Yasiel Puig got in a fight after he got traded. Uh, did you get? Did you watch that live by chance? Because it was kind of brewing before the the fight broke out. Uh, so there, what was it? The eighth inning where somebody got hit and, and there was some jawing, and then Puig kind of acted like a jerk when he didn't agree with a, uh, a strike call. Puig acted then, like a jerk. Yeah, no. What? Right? And then it blew up from there.
2: Yeah, so this has been brewing since the beginning of April, and it basically started when Derek Dietrich hit one into the river in Pittsburgh off Chris Archer and stared at it for a while. Um, they threw behind him in the next at-bat, and then the teams got into benches clearing. Not really fight, but kind of like... Um, like, my dad could beat up your dad type of deal where you just yell at each other. Uh, but that was where you had that kind of like infamous picture of Puig trying to take on like seven pirates around home plate while he's being held back by Dietrich and, I believe, Joey Votto. But anyway, last night, it kind of spilled over again. They've had a couple of dust-ups, but they threw toward the head and neck area of Dietrich again. And um, Jared Hughes, who is like the nicest guy in baseball, that's kind of relative, but I'm going to dub him that, um, who's never been ejected from a game in his career, hit a batter in the ninth and got tossed. Um, who's actually a former pirate, and then they brought in Amir Garrett, who basically came into the game looking for trouble. Like he grabbed dude, he the, baseball the, mound, the game. He took the mound
1: ready for a fight. That dude didn't want to throw a single pitch.
2: Yeah, so he is a he played college basketball at St. John's. Like that guy's not gonna take anybody's anybody's noise. Um, and basically came in and kind of gave it FU at Josh Bell, I believe, and then r- proceeded to run at the entire dugout and try to fight the entire twenty twenty five 25 man roster. Um, and held his own pretty good, too. Kind of from there. He did. Um, basically, the best way I can describe this is this is kind of Pete Clint Hurdle, who is one of the last older, I don't know if crusty is the right word, but quote unquote bad boy managers of like the old, unwritten rules of baseball um and he does this a lot They're pirate he's this is not the only team the pirates have gotten to dust up with this year they had the cubs i believe the cardinals have had a couple issues with them either um it kind of trickles down throughout the organization like the announcers got very upset at the cardinals for stealing a base when they were up six runs the other night um the announcer the pirates announcers did not like ronald acuna's jewelry earlier in the year when someone threw at him um so yeah, I, I don't really know how else to describe it other than that, that it's like fake tough guy syndrome, and it's kind of really, really kind of come together between the Reds and the Pirates because they've had beef all year.
1: What would those old guys think if I said that I wish that that would happen more? Not every game. We don't need that kind of crap every game. But some tempers flaring, some a little bit of swagger, some violence even. I, I now, anytime the, the Reds and Pirates are on TV, I want to watch now because I want to see that happen again. I want to see tempers flare. I want to see intensity, that kind of crap. I know I'm not a purist, so maybe uh, I'm not who they're looking for. But when I saw that last night, that makes me like Major League Baseball today. That makes me want to watch those two teams play each other. Teams that I have no rooting interest in, couldn't care less about Cincinnati or Pittsburgh. I've been to Cincinnati once, it was fine, but I couldn't care less. But because that happened... If they play again, I'm gonna watch. Even if they don't fight again, I will still be glued in to watching those two teams play baseball because they beat the crap out of each other last night. Is that wrong to say?
2: No, I mean I think Major League Baseball understands there's an entertainment value, and that's why they really haven't ever gotten strict on the benches clearing and people leaving the dugout and such. But the problem is is throwing a ninety seven mile an hour fastball at someone's head to spark that is a dangerous way of getting there.
1: Yeah, just throw it at his at his thighs, man. Just lower back at his thighs, place where he can turn and absorb the blow. Then you start fighting, but don't throw the projectile at his dome.
2: Um, Yeah, I think you can have this without throwing at each other in general. I think throwing hard objects at 90 miles an hour at people in general is probably a bad bad thing to do, but you can have it without that. I remember the second day I was up there that uh, Amir Garrett tried to fight Javi Baez because he struck out, and both of them, I guess, showed too much emotion. So you can get there. There are other ways of... Uh, of arriving there. I thought it was entertaining. It was funny watching Puig fight for a team he no longer plays for.
1: Yeah, and then called out his bench. We'll get into this. We'll continue on this next couple of your texts are coming in as well. You can text us if you haven't done so already. 601 879 on the C Spire text line. We'd love to hear from you this afternoon. Talking a little baseball right here on Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. A text from the six six two, and it says, "Borky, five craps in one sentence must be a radio record in offensive language. If that offends you, avoid the internet. Avoid conversations with everybody. Never listen to the Thunder and Lightning podcast
0: or or any at SuperTalk.fm because the Joel Coleman Crap Counter
1: exists. Or any podcast. Avoid the bathroom too. Ever? Yeah, just life. Stay indoors." Um, leave it on the Disney Channel. But they say worse uh, after 10 o'clock, so go to bed before then. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming live at (laughs) supertalk.fm. What? Oh, We get a text here. It says, that's just so good for baseball. And I'll tell you why I think, and most people agree with that sentiment. Uh, I took my wife to a hockey game. And we walk into the arena... I grab a beard, we get some food, sit down like three or four minutes into the game. She, she's never seen, a, doesn't care about hockey, you know, just not the biggest sports fan in the world anyway, doesn't really care. She's just kind of going because I like it and she does things for me. We sit down, not even five minutes after we sit down, a fight breaks out. And the beautiful thing about hockey fights is they let the guys go at it until one of them hits the ground and then they separate it. And this was a good hockey fight. They had good grips of each other, good punches. They were swinging. It was a great hockey fight. I look over at my wife. She's literally on the edge of her seat, eyes wide, and just loved it. And now she's a hockey fan because of something that doesn't happen every game, something that's not really part of the game. But she saw that and now likes hockey. So with Major League Baseball and stuff like this happening that's out of the norm, that's irregular, or that, quite frankly, is violent, they may have won some fans with that kind of thing last night. Just like hockey won my wife over, who's not a violent person. She's five foot nothing, a 100 and nothing. But she saw a fight in a hockey game, and now she likes the sport of hockey. Baseball could have won some fans like that last night.
0: I, went, I decided to look up. you know we have the the text line you can look up at at, at former uh, text this same person uh, a year ago said something about you saying crap (laughs) (laughs) to which you responded oh crap I'm sorry (laughs) You're a terrible person, Michael Borky. I just want to point that out.
2: Uh, I just wonder how people like that navigate through life. Like, if that's really on the spectrum of what offends you, like, what do you... like? You go outside?
0: Uh, you never know. To answer... To get back on point. Yeah, to get yeah. to get back on the conversation. Th- even things though crap like is my
1: go-to, like, radio-safe word, though. Yeah.
0: Th- th- things that's like this, worse. when they happen... <laughs> As long as they're only happening, you know, once or t- it can't be an everyday thing. You can't turn baseball into UFC. But yeah, every now and then to get the bad blood out there, th- these guys are competing against each other. You know, I, I don't want them to be just, you know, happy go lucky. Uh, every so often you got to see a little fire, a little spark.
2: But this also happens. I don't disagree with what you're saying, but this also happens fairly frequently. Like benches clearing in baseball. Now, granted, you don't have one guy trying to take on all 25 men on an opposing roster running to the dugout as kind of like a solo mission very often. But, like, the bitch is clear a pretty decent bit. Uh, it rarely results in anything, but this happens a, a decent enough amount. You yeah. just don't always see it lead to fighting. And the actual fighting part is when there's real animosity, I guess, between two different clubs as opposed to just two guys getting mad at each other and the bench is clearing and like nothing's funnier to me than when the bench is clearing and no one's actually mad except for two guys and the bullpen guys have to run all the way down from the bullpen just to stand there and run back like this was an actual fight because there was multiple guys on both rosters very upset with the season long amount of stuff but you do get the benches clearing a lot it just rarely results in anything further and last night obviously it went way further
1: a different situation yeah Get a, a different perspective from the 662. Grown men playing a kid's game for millions of dollars a year does not keep them from acting like the kids they are. No other profession that I'm aware of allows people to act out on their aggression quite like sports. I'm a big fan and played different sports when I was younger, but I'll never see that as being professional. True pros, let the bat do the talking. That's from uh, the 662. I don't necessarily disagree with that either. You know, I mean,. Like I said, like I'll never teach happen. my was... kid to do that. I don't right. want my kid fighting on a baseball field.
0: Right, but at the same time, every now and then you're just going to have this. You know, there's, there's there's bad blood sometimes, and it just needs to be to, to spill over. What's funny is, like, when was the last Red Sox Yankees brawl? Was it the one where Don Zimmer went down? You know, when was the last time the Dodgers and the Giants went at it? Uh, the 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 Cubs and the Cardinals, the real rivals. You know, this is Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, two teams that. I mean, maybe there's still some bad blood from the 70s there, but neither one of those teams has competed for anything recently.
1: I do have a question, and and we'll bring it up next, then get into some college football stuff, uh, about Yasiel Puig after the fight happened. He started screaming at his own teammates for not leaving the dugout. I don't know if you guys saw this last night, but at the end of the fight, he was yelling at his own dugout, a team that he was traded from, by the way. He wasn't even on that team anymore, technically screaming at them for not helping out. Is he a bad teammate? I don't know. We will uh, discuss that next, get into 100 Teams in 100 Days, and a whole lot more at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. o'clock hour on this Wednesday afternoon at Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming live at supertalk.fm. I'm Michael Borky, I've got Brian Haydad and Brian Scott Rippey with you as well. Before we turn the page to college football and continue our countdown of 100 teams in 100 days, I want to bring something up. I noticed this last night, and I'm not the only one that's pointed this out, so um, I'm not taking credit for this, but... After the fight broke out, and if you're just joining us, there was a big-time brawl, a real brawl, like actual punches being thrown in the Pirates-Reds game last night. Yasiel Puig, who got traded in the middle of the game but still played it out and also fought it out, um, was involved in, in the center of the fight. And after the fight was over, I don't know if you guys saw this, he was screaming... At his own dugout, pointing at players, calling them out, using choice words that start with the letter F, directed at his own teammates because they didn't leave the dugout and fight with him. What do you make of that?
0: It's par for the course with him. I mean, he's just an emotional – I'll try to hold the hate in here. I don't like him as a player but because of where he used to play. But he's an emotional play – you know, heart – uh on on you know play put your heart on your sleeve kind of guy i mean he plays he plays like that and that's just the kind of guy he is so it's not surprising
1: any thoughts on that rippy
2: um yeah i mean just is he's a, emotional to a fault a lot of the times which led to his being traded from the Dodgers, but I don't know about bad teammate because most, a lot of guys, he rubbed a lot of guys the wrong way in Los Angeles because of a lack of, I I don't want to say work ethic, but just kind of thinking he can do whatever he wants to do and not really kind of abide by some of the norms and standards set to being a major league baseball player. But as far as a person, most guys kind of swear by him. Um, And I think the red, the reds have enjoyed him for the short time. He was there. Um, That, Clubhouse, at least following it from a distance seems very cohesive. And he and Dietrich and some of those other guys have been a part of that. But again, once his emotions kind of get the best of him, I don't think there's really any stopping it because the reason that fight was so prolonged is because they could not get him along with their manager who was already ejected off of the field. Um, So just when he loses his mind, he loses it. But I think, his short sit in Cincinnati has proved that he's probably harnessed that a little bit better, probably still has a ways to go, but that's just kind of the way he's wired. It always has been since he came into Major League Baseball. Now he didn't I- have very long in the minor leagues to kind of adjust to the norms of playing baseball in America and kind of what's acceptable and what is not.
1: Uh, now what about that deal itself? I, I'm, are you surprised Cincinnati dealt him, what, are they only seven games back or eight games back, uh, and what's he going to be like in Cleveland?
2: Um, I don't know what he will be like in Cleveland. They're hoping he's probably a productive outfield power bat, uh, but the Reds did get Trevor Bauer in return, who has not been very good recently, but over the last two years and the beginning of this year was thought as possibly the best, at least a top-five pitcher in baseball, and he's team-controlled through 2020. So the Reds were going to have... I believe, five free agents by the end of the year, Puig being one of them, and a couple of their pitchers in Tanner Roark and Alex Wood. I think I have that right. So it's another starting rotation guy that you can definitely build around. I mean, he's a top-end rotation guy that they have under team control through next year. So this is a move that helps you this year and next.
1: A couple of texts here before we move on. Jim and Ripley says, The best baseball ever was one Ryan with a guy in a headlock wearing him out. Yeah, that's one of the more iconic ones. Uh, Michael in Poplarville says, "When I'm watching sports, I want to see a prison riot." <laughs> Ryan in the Delta says, "I was part of a bench-clearing fight in junior college, and it was very much bench. an adrenaline rush." And uh, we, Greg and we Nettleton, can't
0: say what he said. That can't, we can't say that spelling error on the uh, air, though. Uh,
1: no, we cannot. If crap is a bad word to use, an offensive no. word, certainly can't use that. Greg and Nettleton says, uh, "I wish that uh, he wishes that we could have seen his dad back in the day during a boxing match." Said he would get down in front of the TV and hollering at the boxers. Thank thank you as always, Greg, uh, for listening to us this afternoon. And uh, Richard and Wiggins says George Brett knew how to rush an opposing team and gave the flexing emojis. And uh, yeah, let's turn the page now and uh, continue our countdown for 100 teams in 100 days.
2: This day is bananas. and...
1: 100 teams in 100 days. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. go! Oh. It's
2: the final countdown.
1: So we missed one yesterday. This is technically team number 32, but for all intents and purposes this afternoon, we are 31 days away from college football and team number 32-1, the Miami Hurricanes. is boring for a fight song. Manny Diaz in his first year in Miami, a name that's pretty familiar with uh, some Mississippi State fans uh, here in Mississippi. He is obviously 0-0 zero zero as a head coach at Miami. They went 7-6 and six a year ago with wins over Savannah State, Toledo, Florida International, North Carolina, Florida State, and then a bunch of losses following that. At Virginia, at Boston College, to Duke, they lost a year ago at Georgia Tech. And then they finished the season with wins over Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, over Pittsburgh, and a loss to Nebraska in the Pinstripe Bowl last year. So uh, they come into year one under Manny Diaz. They have Florida in the opener. the As we've talked about a bunch, the most, or will be the most, talked about college football game of the year, with the exception of the playoffs, considering it stands alone They go to North Carolina in Week 2, which is Week 3 for them. They host Bethune-Cookman, Central Michigan, Virginia Tech, and Virginia in a row. So a couple of key home games there with Virginia, who's the favorite in the division now in the ACC, by the way, and Virginia Tech at home. Uh, They then also have a home game with Georgia Tech. How many home games in a row is that? That is five home games in a row for Miami before they have to go to Pittsburgh and Florida State, turn around and host Louisville. Have a road game. I'm not kidding at Florida International, and then go to Duke to close out the 2019 season for Miami.
0: When I think about Miami right now, obviously I think you know long term the U and all those great teams, but all I can think about is last year how convinced we all were that they were just going to punish LSU in that season opener, and it went the other way, and that never got back on track for Miami after that.
1: Mark Richt, yep, average, coach. he lost control. Is that is that a hot take or is that fair? What last year? In general. Not that he
0: lost control. They just they just weren't good. You know, it's not like they had players getting arrested or had huge penalty issues. They just they just weren't good last year for whatever reason.
2: I don't know if he's average. He's just not elite.
1: Yeah. Had a couple of
2: pretty good jobs
1: as well. We get a text year from the 662 and he's asking, do you think that college football is more fun when Miami is relevant and not mediocre? That's an interesting question. 100% I think that. And Haydad and I differ on this because, generally speaking, I don't think any sport needs one team to be good to make it more enjoyable. With all due respect to Haydad here, the Lakers have been a dumpster fire for a decade, the Knicks have been a dumpster fire for two decades, and the NBA has still been enjoyable. Uh, The NFL. it's, It's not that it's not enjoyable. It's that it's more enjoyable. Well, to you because you're a fan, but no, 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 no. But I'm not a fan of
0: Miami. When the Hurricanes are good, and, and 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 you have you know, you look on the sideline and all their former players are there. That's that's good. That's good stuff. Yeah,
1: and there's some nostalgia tied up in that as well. I just yeah. you and I just differ on that. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't need brands to enjoy the sport. Okay. I don't need the Yankees to be good to to enjoy a baseball storyline. I don't need Ohio State and Alabama to be good to enjoy college football. I don't need the Dallas Cowboys to be good to like the NFL, so on and so forth. As long as there is somebody there that's producing quality sport, I don't care what the helmet or the jersey says. uh, But Miami definitely has some brand power. And then the swagger of the 90s, and you've all seen the documentaries, if not read the stories or or just remember uh, from being old enough to consume that at that time. Uh, they were on a different level. It was just different with Miami.
0: No, you're right. You're right. They they, they, they produced more talent, and, and you talk about you, you want to have enjoyment from watching some controversy. We're talking about baseball baseball brawls. Go watch those old hurricane teams. They, they
1: provided plenty of that. What do you think of when you hear Miami football, Rippy?
2: Nevin Shapiro.
1: <laughs> Come on. Come on. Uh famous alumni, is real quick, hey
0: then. Oh, we've got some good ones here. You got a lot of options, but I'm going with Sylvester Stallone, The Rock, and call me a nerd, Gene Roddenberry, the creator of Star Trek. It's a good list. Yeah, I'm leaving off Gloria Stefan.
1: Coming up next, this is an idea we've teased for two days in a row. We're actually gonna get to it now. Let's go. Text us, 601-879-4395 with the dumbest expensive purchase you've ever made. What is the dumbest expensive purchase you have ever made? We'd love to hear from you this afternoon. 601-879-4395, the dumbest expensive purchase you have ever made. We'll get to that next at Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Keep those texts rolling in, 601-879-4395 with the dumbest Expensive purchase you've ever made, but first couple of things on uh, the Miami front. From the six six two, Miami is always overrated. They're in the same class as Notre Dame. From the nine two eight, he remembers. Oh, that's Jason, our buddy Jason says he. he when he thinks Miami, he thinks of that uh, horrific Willis McGahee injury in the national championship game uh, in Tempe. What was that? Two thousand one, I think. Uh, when his knee went a direction that yeah, it, was a one, yeah. it is not supposed to go. And Quinn giving us a little ribbing. In fairness, though, Quinn, there's one of us three didn't buy into the LSU is going to be bad hype. He says he remembers y'all picking Miami over LSU last year and all the other picks regarding LSU. Those were some great times. Rippy was not as sold as everybody else saw on LSU being bad last year. And he and Quinn, you're not going to get that this year. I'll go ahead and tell you. I, I think
0: LSU is going to be really good.
2: Yeah, and you also think that Burrow's going to win the Heisman.
0: Now now you've gone a, a bridge too far.
2: <laughs> I just thought they had a good defense. They're competent enough offensively last year, which is not going to cut it, which is me and I have had this debate 100 times this year. Probably not going to cut it with the expectations they had. But the way Ed had recruited and kind of handled things in the hires he had made, just the train wreck thing seemed very hot takeish. and what do you know? It was hot takeish. Yeah, something
1: like that. So our, our first text. Let's get yours first, actually. Ripu, this was your idea. Dumbest expensive purchase you've ever made. Oh,
2: man, I, uh, I'm not. Sh- Give me a minute to think on this because I, uh, at 24, I haven't had a ton of time to make really or funds to make really, really dumb, expensive purchases. So come back to me, because I'm going to think of something. I just can't think of it right now.
1: Hey, Dad, you got one?
0: You know, not really. I don't know that dumb is the right word for me on this, because we needed to do it. But my wife and I, when we had our first child, the only we only had one car, and it was a little two-seater pickup truck. So we had to go get a car, because, you know, you got to put a car seat somewhere, right? And our credit would, uh, if I had to come up with a word, I would use Brian Scott Rippy's word and say it was suboptimal at that time. So we ended up buying a used Toyota Corolla and paying about, we were paying, I think, $500 a month. I mean, what you could probably get a reasonably, if you had good credit, you might be able to get, like, a reasonably good new car. We were paying that for a used Toyota Corolla. Thankfully, I totaled that thing, <laughs> and the insurance just <laughs> took it off for us,
2: so... Uh, I, don't right, like, I got mine. Okay, textbooks for grad school. That, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, textbooks are a, a racket. I really, I, I'm halfway kidding, but not really at all. I, you didn't need them.
1: Mine's not any good either. I'm, I'm with you. I haven't really had enough time or expendable income to make an like an extremely bad expensive purchase. I bought a fly rod for like twelve hundred dollars. All all encompassing, so the rod, the reel, that kind of stuff all together. It's about twelve hundred bucks and I have used it I have taken it out of the tube one time in my entire life and that was to practice in the yard like two days after I got it and haven't touched it since <laughs> we can, sort of boring <laughs> after I don't know all where you're find. Please. No, well this, um, some I, of these texts are good though.
2: I didn't purchase this myself, but I was sad to report I came home for vacation and the uh, the pool is no more. It has been dismantled.
0: Well, I guess I'm not coming up there next Sunday then. What a shame.
2: Um yeah, yeah, what a shame. I could uh, I could dig a hole, put some water in it.
1: No, we're good. We're good without that. Look, From the 662 most expensive dumb purchase, can I say a wedding band for my first wife? Yes, you can. You can say it. Yikes. Yikes. Robin Amory, 185k for a house three hours from my job, just to make the now ex-wife happy.
2: You, I'd like to know more about you swallowing a three-hour commute knowingly. Sure. Did you did was he aware?
1: Sounds like he was aware.
0: He just did it because that's what his wife knew that he had to do. What the wife was saying at that time.
1: People say happy wife, happy life, or something like that. That's what they say. From the 662, spent about $250 on a train horn for the 18-wheeler that I run to scare everyone that works with me. That seems
0: like a great purchase. We said dumb
1: purchases. (laughs) (laughs) Mike in Corinth, bought an old, thoroughly worn F-250 with uh, a diesel, put a motor in it, and then something else went wrong, and then something else went wrong, kept fixing it, spent a ton of money, found a chance to sell it or trade it, lost my tail. That was three years ago. And I'm just now getting out from under it. Rough. Corey in Cleveland. My first wife. (laughs) It seems to be a a running theme. (laughs) Oh Man, I'm not even at my one-year anniversary yet. You guys are uh, not giving me hope for my future. Uh, From the 601, a lap dance in Atlanta.
0: See, I didn't want to. I didn't want to put any a gambling and or gentlemen's club. Those aren't really purchases. Those, you, that's, you bought that's it. An entertainment expense. Yeah, uh, hey, you bought uh, it. T, T- it's and a E purchase. T and E is what that is, right? Something like that. Yeah.
1: Amanda in Pike County says she bought the wedding bands back in '85. Paul says a timeshare.
0: Ooh. Did Did you go? Did you go to the? Was that one of those things where you had to go to the, the beach and you get the eight hour. Uh, presentation before you can go do anything
1: there's a really good South Park episode about that yeah
0: there's a good family guy too
1: Sam and Starkville bought a Mitsubishi Galant in a pinch lasted five months oof Dan and Charleston similar thing bought a used T-Bird that lasted a year <laughs> Mike and Ridgeland wants to give me a hundred bucks for that fly rod I have a feeling I could take it. I, but I have a feeling I could get a little bit more than that. I mean, it is nice. It's it's not even used. Richard and Wiggins, a boat that was stolen after he forgot to pay the insurance. Dang.
2: Wait, that's tough.
1: This is a good one. This is what we were looking for. Used my student loans to purchase floor seats to the Grizzlies his senior year at Ole Miss from the 662. Are you still paying on that? That's the question. (laughs) Uh, That is true. You can use your student loans on anything. Yeah, Yeah, they just hand you a check. Strider and
0: Indiana, Especially if you're like, like me. And dumbly, stupidly did this, but, like, you know, my, my loan amount was more than the, the cost of tuition, so I got a refund check. Like, all
1: right, great, thank you. Strider's throwing salt in the wounds. What does he think she was doing during those six hours he was driving every day?
2: Oof. Oh. Blow, blow.
1: That's that's tough. Come on, now. Donald says...
2: Wait, <laughs> um, wait.
1: We can call it it plastic surgery. He bought enhancements. For a a lady he was not married to. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) John (laughs) (laughs) Starkville says, My wife and I cleaned out our savings account to buy a huge entertainment center, and two days later... Found out she was pregnant with our first child. $1,200 down the drain. That's tough. Those things have gone by the wayside, too, haven't they? Entertainment centers? Yeah, nobody just, has those
0: anymore. You, just, you put just put
1: your TV, your TV on, TV on a table or something. Yeah.
2: Well, this is probably very millennial me. What is an entertainment center?
1: Those big cabinets
0: that people used to put their TV in. It and, would cover you know, up like VCR, a whole wall. You'd have all your, your, your videos lined up or whatever.
2: Yeah, I I don't I wouldn't know one of those if I stumbled upon it. I don't think.
1: You, you'll if you just Google it. I'm not being a jerk. Your if you Google it, you one. will recognize yeah. it when you see it. That it just but people don't do it anymore. I remember we had one as a kid. I thought it was the coolest thing ever when my parents brought it home because I got to put. Uh, well, it was the original Xbox at the time. I got to put my Xbox in one cabinet, and uh, they let me like drill a hole in the back, and I got to you know have like my secret Xbox compartment, and everything was it just like a big and really, quite frankly, it was really ugly, just a big, ugly piece of furniture that your your tube TV, because that's what it was back then. There was no such thing as flat screens, even when I was a kid, and that wasn't that long ago. Um, right smack dab in the middle of it. You needed something that was deep enough to hold it. <laughs> We've had enough foul language
0: on the air. I'm not going to drop. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs>
1: Louis from the 662, $75 in 1980 for a pharmaceutics book that he never opened in his class, and the bookstore would not buy it back. Rough. College textbooks, uh, maybe it's not a scam because I had like three of the dozens of classes I took in college actually use them, but.
2: No, go, go ahead and fully squat on that scam.
1: It's a scam. Go, if you have a kid about to go to college, I mean, school's coming up, right? Or if you're a young person listening to us and you're about to go to college, do not buy a single book until you show up to class on the first day and ask your professor if you'll ever use it. Most of them are going to tell you no that it's a waste of time. So don't buy your books in college. Until after you go to class for the first time, you won't miss anything the first couple of days. More coming up at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming live at supertalk.fm. Some of these are really good. We're going to keep reading them. Text us 601-879-4395. The dumbest expensive purchase you've ever made. Derek in Greenwood says, couple clicks north of a grand for a Great Dane. He's dumb and expensive. Feel that. I almost sent an old college roommate of mine's Great Dane to the, the emergency vet. I used to take that dog running, and I had no idea with Great Danes because their organs are so big that, especially, like, they can run. They're animals that can run, but distance running is not something that's advised. And it was a, a girl dog named Stella. Stella just ate, and I, I didn't know that, and I took her for a run anyway. And came back, and she was acting all funny, and it turns out her organs, like, started getting twisted inside of her body because they're so big and when you run they like move inside of their body and he had to take her to the vet and it almost became an emergency situation so there's the thing you learned today don't take a great Dane distant running
0: I I'm, I'm with that great Dane I don't want to go distance running either please never take me distance running if you're listening
1: here's another one for my first marriage <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yikes. It's I think tough, you need man. to get all these first marriage guys on a podcast and be like, let's just roll what you got for me.
1: Tell me about it. When
2: I, I, got, say... a friend, I got
0: a friend that would love to join that podcast, I promise you. When I say
1: your ex-wife, what do you think? <laughs> Record. You're like, oh, Fortuna, come over there.
2: When, when, when did you know it was the end? Yeah. <laughs> Most of them
1: will probably tell you there were signs before the beginning that should have told them that it was the end. of I'm not gonna give his
0: name. I'm not gonna give his name,
1: but I'm gonna tell you a story about my my uh, my friend here. He
0: we, he uh, you couldn't get hold of him, right? Just couldn't do it. So most of the time we just didn't waste our time. We had planned a Vegas trip, didn't invite him because we were like, what's the point? He called me one day. He's like, hey, I'm 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 getting divorced. It's like, oh, okay. Hey, we're going to Vegas in two weeks. You want to go? Yes. <laughs> That's how it went.
1: Oh. Never been to Vegas. Still something I would like to do at some point in my life. Betty in Hattiesburg says a really expensive chair that uh, drowned in Katrina less than a month later. Ooh.
2: I'm surprised there aren't more midlife crisis cars, maybe a boat.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of wife like stuff, like uh, bought a trip for me and my wife, and I will surf papers two weeks later. Gracious, man. Oh. Best of luck to you.
2: I guess the most of the car things, though, they're probably still in denial and think it was a great purchase. I guess that's possible.
1: Probably so. Yeah. Tom in Carthage says he's got one of those in his house talking about an entertainment system. He said it weighs more than a piano. We can have it if we come get it. From the 228 talking about the college textbooks being a complete scam it is a complete scam i i I went easy on that glad rippy corrected me the entire process is a scam (laughs) he said you can bet the professor will tell you you need it even though you don't know he wrote the book yeah that happened to me a couple of times as well in college
2: that's actually what i told borky in the break is like my advice would even go beyond that because you're going to have a lot of professors some because they wrote it some because not just like, yeah you're definitely going to need this book you got to call their bluff and you kind of ease your way in a couple weeks in if you get to study for the first test and you feel like you need the book go get it if not just write it out
1: from the 601 another thing on that point you pretty much have to buy textbooks in some cases to get the code to do your online homework it's a complete scam if yeah, they really so it's cared the about students cardboard yeah that's what it comes in the book. If they really cared about students, here's a million-dollar idea, even though it would never happen because the industry is too big. Most every student has an iPad now, right? If not, you can go buy one for 100 bucks, 200 bucks. allow them to scan and upload these textbooks or have them available for them to load onto their devices and not break the it's- bank doing so. But that's too simple and is too student-friendly. So why would they do that?
2: If you ever get bored in a class, too, that's also a fun game to scope out who bought the textbook, like, very early on and who has no idea what the textbook is. Like, I I, I can't remember if I told this on the podcast or here, but I had a freshman geology class that I took, and we got to the second test because you got a drop test. So we get to the second test, and we had a guy barge in late to the test and looked at the teacher and said, sorry, forgot where this was. I'm going to guess he did not buy the textbook. (laughs)
0: That seems like a
1: safe assumption.
2: Yeah, if he forgot where the class was.
1: George at West Point, I can't read that on the air, my friend. Just know it's really funny, and I'm glad you texted in today. i got to find that now. Hold on. Uh, Get another, my ex-wife, a $750 giant mountain bike, weighed a ton, had to carry it up a mountain. Yeah, you, you would think that mountain bikes would be able to ride up the mountain, but I guess that applies there. Stan Ripley says the dumbest thing he ever purchased was an 86 jose canseco uh what is that jose canseco don russ rc uh Donruss. that's a baseball card company oh man
0: rookie card rc is a rookie card i
1: just dated myself an 86 jose canseco rookie card is an 18 year old for 110 dollars and 1989 is worth about two dollars today we get a tweet as well uh from our good friend uh the large dog and he says not a purchase but a regrettable financial decision In 81, he sold $1,000 worth of Walmart stock. It would be worth 325 times that amount today. Oh, that's that's tough. That's a tough pill to swallow there. 662, the Houston Texans know a thing or two about overpaying for something. Oh, gosh. You guys are uh, getting depressing on us. Amanda in Pike County. My divorce was his midlife crisis. Eh. 662, a $40,000 boat that's been out one time this summer. That's rough.
2: That's exactly what we were looking for. This is where we were looking. Good good call
0: from the 662 there. Good job.
2: (laughs) Another good point on the textbook. (laughs) Go ahead. I was just going to ask what the name of the boat was.
1: Yeah, what did you name your boat? Your $40,000 boat. We need to know. If you ever want to lend it to your radio friend, I will happily take your boat out for you, though, anytime. We'll we'll get out on the water.
2: Yeah, same. Richard tried to give me a nickname last week related to sailing, and I don't even have a boat, so let me have the keys to that sucker.
1: Matt Newsite says two years in college. That was his biggest dumb purchase. Wow, Billy and Tupelo totally rebuilt a home for a girlfriend who dumped me when I was finished $67,000 later. She seems nice. Ouch. That's just evil. People
2: are ruthless. Yeah, evil is a better word. Ruthless is not even the correct word there.
0: Yeah, that that that's not right. It's just not right. If you're listening, lady, that's not right.
1: Um Chris and Laurel also can't read that on the air, but that's funny and glad uh, you texted in this afternoon. A uh, $1000 drone from the 601. Tripdog says it's almost all ebooks now, about a hundred books for all the electronic resources, plus a paper copy for your dollar in the bookstore. If you haven't looked at the prices of paper textbooks lately, this is more economical. Yeah, I guess my larger point is you still have to pay a significant amount to get the e-textbook. Like we had that chance for me in college, but it wasn't that much cheaper. It was still, like for one textbook, like $175 to get the ebook. I'm talking to where the university owns these textbooks and maybe there's one copy of each one and you allow a student like through a confirmed email address or whatever to be able to upload that to their iPad or something and use that. If you really cared about your students and uh, their finances and and having their college experience and after college experience be good because almost $1,000 a year in textbooks really hamstrings you for your immediate future. I'm speaking from direct experience. They would do something like that to help their students, but they're in it for the money, and we all know that. Yeah. Yeah. From the 662, if it flies or floats, rent it. Don't buy it.
2: There's one more in there that you probably didn't include, but that's a decent saying.
1: Yeah, let's uh, just keep that on the down low. Which one is this? It's from the 662. $15,000 on a motorcycle... Put five hundred miles on it in one year.
2: See, that's all these are good, but that the motorcycle and the boat and stuff like that is kind of what I pictured. It took a very dark turn with this marriage talk, but Yeah. Right one. on. I'm good I'm good for both sides of it. A lot of unhappy folks out there. Uh from the six six two
1: building an AR right now and it's got forty two hundred dollars for the parts in it, and it doesn't even have a trigger on it yet. Seems like that should come with the gun.
2: You know? You need that Yeah, didn't you get Yeah, didn't you get ripped off If someone sold you a gun Without no, a trigger I, I, Is a gun without a trigger he, a said gun?
1: He, he said he's building one So he's purchased Separate parts To, to build one himself He's already $4,200 Into building the gun And has yet to put a Like purchase And install a trigger Yet So it can't even shoot And he's still $4,200 in the hole I'd buy the, the trigger next That's the next thing I'm buying That's the next purchase <laughs>
2: Yeah, I hope you never miss.
1: Corey in Cleveland said he is a college student. Wasted a lot of money on purchasing books. Almost two grand in the first year. Unbelievable. Then I learned about waiting to see if they are needed in class. And renting books has been a whole lot cheaper. At least you learned early, my friend. And uh, thank you for listening. More coming up at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. The Olympics are adding new sports. We'll tell you what those are and then turn the page to college football to start the 5 o'clock hour. Stick around. So I know Olympics really aren't on the radar right now, but I saw this story pop up in the USA Today. figured I'd bring it to you. Next year, next summer, this time next year, they'll be in Tokyo, I believe, for the 2020 Summer Olympic Games, and there will be new sports. And so I saw that. Figured you'd want to be informed on that today, so I'll bring it to you right now. First of all, because the people that run the Olympics are complete idiots. Um, and corrupt. Don't forget well, corrupt. Also corrupt. Um, baseball has been absent, and softball, from the Olympics for, I think, 16 years. Thankfully, they're finally coming back, but their removal doesn't make any sense at all. So baseball and softball will return as Olympic sports next year. That's good. Three off on to three a good start. Off to a good start. Three-on-three three basketball. The Big Three has been surprisingly (laughs) successful. It works. Got the right branding on it. The right guy running it. The right guys in the league. That kind of thing. It works. America will go ahead and put a gold medal for America on this one. Yeah. Karate? Karate. Which, I, I mean, isn't that very similar to. Like jujitsu? Well, they yeah. have judo already. Yeah. So what's der- this is a really dumb question? What is hey, the difference I'm correct, between the and two? I could be wrong. And if you're a black belt, feel free to
0: judo is more about throws, and karate is more about strikes. Okay. Uh, I think that's right. Here's what I would say to that though is just just make it mixed martial arts. It doesn't have to be ultimate fighting, but there, there's got to be a way to a kumite. They could do a kumite like on um, Bloodsport. There you yeah.
1: go. Well, our buddy from the 662, by the way, who who purchased the boat, uh, sends us a picture of it. Really nice-looking boat, nice by boat. the way. Uh, I would love to uh, uh, to have one of those myself. He said, uh, I haven't used it enough to name it. He owns his own company, so the only time he's off is when the weather is bad. He does, He's not sure what he was thinking. Well, I, again, man, if you ever want to let me borrow it, uh, especially now that I've seen it, nice-looking ski boat, um, you know. I'll take it off your hands. Anytime, you just need somebody to play with it. I, I'm here for you, is what I'm saying. You're a giver. I'm a giver. Uh, skateboarding also being added to the Olympics.
0: Okay. We'll pass Tony Hawk's prime, but sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess we'll see Sean White in there, maybe. That That is mo- my most well, prized... He's a snowboarder, isn't he? Is he skateboards, he too. too. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. He's just uber-talented uh, all around. That's my most prized... Sports memorabilia possession. I have a a signed Sean White snowboard. I'm doing better than you, then. What's your most prized one? A autographed football to Brian from Drew Brees. Yeah, that's awesome. So what, Brian, did you steal it from? That was for me, buddy. (laughs) How did you get that?
0: You won't believe this, but a listener to my podcast hooked me up with it. Wow.
1: Yeah, I got some good fans. Uh, why somebody needs to hook me up with something. I've gotten a couple of onesies, which is pretty cool.
0: There you go. See, you start slow. Like my the first thing I ever got from a from a listener to my podcast, and uh shout out to my friend Ty Bailey for this. Uh he brought us some biscuits and cornbread.
1: Yeah, that's awesome.
0: It's it started there, and from there I was getting autographed with footballs.
1: Your listeners are pretty cool. Yeah, the, the best listeners on the planet. Uh, surfing? That's the Thunder and
0: Lightning podcast. Find it at supertalk.fm daily. Yes, Best Mississippi State podcast
1: in the world. Strong agree with that. Surfing also an Olympic sport next year. So that's one that's like a little interesting. Like, what if the weather's bad? What if you can't get out? You know, it's just flat. Yeah, having to do like a handstand competition on your board just to have something. <laughs> something I don't know. And uh, sport climbing is the last one being added next year at the Olympics. Isn't breakdancing coming too?
0: Or is that already that's something different? I don't know. I remember we talked about that.
1: Or maybe it was up for consideration in, in this. Nah, yeah. yeah, that might be it. The, the sport judgment climbing.
0: sport. So that's the thing like when you go to the, the people who do the rock climbing and stuff on the walls at the, the gym and stuff. Is that what that is?
1: Yeah, and and I assume it would be a race. Like how? It, yeah, it's got to be a race, right? But what's stopping you though? And maybe it's not faster, but just like from launching yourself up and and con- continuing to catch yourself, you know, like not yeah. climbing, but like just jumping up, catching you'd yourself. Jump, catch. Yeah, that's a good point. Something like that. Anyway, there's uh those are your new Olympic sports uh, coming next year. I figured you'd be interested in something like that. Uh, Kelso in Ocean Springs. Our buddy, by the way, is a James Madison fan. Wants us to do, and, and he's asked us for years now. So I'm going to do it. I, we will do a little something on your James Madison Dukes, if I remember correctly, before the season starts. I promise. Just because the you mighty have, Dukes. You have worn us down, we have team my to friend. Do today, too. We do have another team to do today. But he's got a uh, a two Kelso signed picture of Daryl Green. Fun fact Sweet. about our buddy Kelso, by the way, mm-hmm. Hurricane Chaser. Not kidding. He's one of the people that that flies in got, the airplanes that, that tracks that. the hurricanes.
0: I got a friend that uh, I think he teaches broadcast meteorology up here at MSU. And uh, he goes out there and chases that stuff. Man. I, I takes some
1: stones. He told That's me he was going to let me go up there and fly with him one day. Buddy, you don't want no part of that. <laughs> I promise you. I don't know if my wife would want me to have a part of that either. you got
0: a kid now. You can't do that kind of stuff.
1: Turning the page to college football next at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Hour number three on this Wednesday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming live at supertalk.fm. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you. Rippy had to. Skip out a little early this afternoon to get to a uh, media obligation. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. It is great to be with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Before we turn the page to college football, I brought up the new Olympic sports that were coming, and we wanted to know the difference between karate and judo. Get this text from the 928. Judo is redirecting your opponent's movement. Karate is facilitating your movement. So somebody that speaks that language translate that for me.
0: So what what he's saying is that judo is about your opponent is coming at you I'm going to throw him to the ground. Karate is about I am going my your opponent is coming at you but I am going to attack him.
1: So in judo is there like okay you are the attacker you're the defender? Be- no,
0: no. I mean, like, in, well, in the sport of judo, I don't. Yeah. That's a good question. I've never really watched it. I don't know.
1: Because if that's not the case, how do you redirect your opponent's movement if they're waiting to redirect yours?
0: That's a good question. I don't know the answer. Richard says, "Please stop." We also stop. learned, by the way, real quick. Jared Lee tweeted at us. They have surfing competition on artificial wave machines.
1: How about that? That's interesting. That's a really cool looking place too. I guess we, I probably should have put that together because uh, the Olympic um, like kayaking teams and stuff. Yeah. Oh that, yeah, yeah, yeah. They practice at a facility in Charlotte, North Carolina, far away from any mountains or, or real rivers. It's a man-made facility. I guess we probably could have put one and two together there. We're uh, not smart. I mean, we we've all been to a wave pool at some point in our life, right? Yes. Even though pl- ingesting that water is probably a death sentence, but that's a Different conversation for a different day. Let's talk a little college football here. So, Tom Fernelli of CBS, and we've had this conversation a good bit because the narrative around college football right now, I even read a column today that said, look, it's an exercise in futility. College football will be Alabama and Clemson again. Whoever is the better of those two will be the national champion, and everything else in between doesn't matter. It's a really cynical way of looking at it. I also think that's, Uh, wrong, but that's the narrative going in college football. So how many teams can win the national title? We've talked about that a little bit before. Here's what Tom Fernelli of CBS had to say. He said there are 16 teams, hey, dad, that either have the talent, the coaching, or the pedigree, if you will, that can win the national championship. I'll start with the bottom, the least likely. No, actually, I'll start with the top said, the usual suspects, naturally, Alabama and Clemson, we don't even have to bother, let's just move on. Because obviously, they can win a national title. They have won the last four. But pertinent contenders, teams that he thinks that uh, can win a national title, one of which actually has won a national title in the college football playoff era, uh, and then the other one, Georgia, went to a national championship. He said, these four are teams that conceivably are contenders to actually win the thing, and that's Georgia, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Oklahoma. Any complaints there? Notre Dame.
0: Until they can show they belong on the field with a Power Five team like Clemson or Alabama or Georgia, they, they, they got no. I'm not buying into that. I guess. I guess I'll find out though that since Georgia they play at Georgia, they win that game. I can change my mind.
1: Watch well, they lose that game and rattle off a bunch of wins, and, and then somehow find their way right back into the mix because that's what that's what Notre Dame does. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, Brian Kelly's been there since 2010. I mean, can you believe that? It's hard to believe. I mean, it hasn't won a national title.
0: You know, you would think Notre Dame might might require that, but they have not so far.
1: I did not know that they had vacated wins. The 2012 season is completely wiped off the board for Notre Dame. Yeah, it didn't happen.
0: Which they're probably happy considering what Alabama did to them there at the end.
1: They went 0-0 with a loss in the national championship game, according to the official records. I I had no idea. You didn't know that? Okay. Yeah. It happened. But, I mean, either way, as you mentioned, they haven't showed that they're competitive. So, uh, under Brian Kelly, his first year they lost five games. Second year they lost five games. 2012, it's been wiped off the board, but everybody and their brother remembers what Alabama did to them, and that was ugly. 2013, all nine of their wins were erased. 14, they went 8-5. and five. 15, they went 10-2, and two, but lost to Ohio State pretty significantly that year. Then they went 4-8. and 10-3 with a Citrus Bowl win in 17. And then lost in the Cotton Bowl, handedly, by Clemson last year. So as you mentioned, anytime they get there, it appears as if they don't belong. Even with playing pretty difficult schedules throughout the season, once it matters they don't show I mean, up they
0: beat lsu a few years ago but in the, in that citrus bowl we were talking about but when 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 it's real pressure to win a national title notre dame hasn't has not been able to deliver against the top teams
1: but otherwise i mean you can make an argument for let's say if you picked georgia ohio state oklahoma to win the entire thing you yeah. can make that ohio argument ohio state
0: might be maybe this year's a little iffy but they have talent and if justin fields is what he was recruited as they'll be great
1: Love that running back. J.K. Dobbins, he's so low to the ground and quick. Yeah, he's good. Rookie head coach, though, so uh, we will see. He says, next up, traditional powers of Michigan, LSU, Texas, and Southern Cal. He said these are the four schools that have plenty of history but have yet to make a college football playoff appearance, Uh, but he thinks that they are talented enough to win their conferences, and if you win those conferences with the right record, you're automatically in the playoff, and he seems to think that they have talent enough uh, to win their leagues and, and compete for, and maybe win a title.
0: Maybe USC should try to focus on winning nine games. For let's take some baby steps back into the to, you know the, the 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 limelight. Come on, Michigan got to beat Ohio State. Haven't done it yet under Harbaugh. Don't think it's going to happen this year. LSU Texas is interesting uh, because both of those teams are playing each other. So we might get a little bit of a, a little playoff elimination game in week two. Because you know I still have this theory, you know, you want me to, you want my college football crazy theory that what if LSU only loses to Alabama? What if they what if they go eleven and one? Are they in the playoff, even if
1: Alabama gets in or you know how does that gonna work? So if that's a close game. Yeah. They go eleven and one and it's a close game. Yeah. They should take precedent over any other team in college football with one loss not named clemson or georgia yeah I had to, it was
0: to me it's the same situation state would have been in in 14 had they had they won the egg bowl that hey they had one loss they lost to alabama on the road in a close game you got to put them in and so same thing for me for lsu See, that would have been a
1: playoff things. team if they won that egg bowl wouldn't it
0: have been uh I th- I think the the push to put Ohio State had gotten there they they might have missed it but they would have had a, a hell of an argument and they would have been able to claim
1: that they were screwed. How about the first year of the playoff is the one that's most scrutinized. Yeah, ever since 2014 it's been really cut and dry, but that first year with Baylor and TCU being left out. Well, what was it? 2 years ago when Alabama got in
0: despite not winning the west, that was that were there was some scrutiny there. And then they shut everybody up
1: by winning and the And then yeah, thing. they won the national title, so yeah, it didn't make a difference. <laughs> Justified committee selection there. Yeah. Uh, Fernelli also said that these SEC teams have something about them that can get them to the playoff. Auburn, Florida, and Texas A&M. Is this for this year? This is for 2019. Oh, come on with Auburn.
0: Come on. Check... Teaser. Check out tomorrow's Thunder and Lightning podcast for uh, my talk with Brandon Marcello, and he and I agreeing. That good luck with Auburn finding eight wins on their schedule. Never mind the playoff. Come
1: on. Be smarter than the Auburn. Come on. I think they're losing in week one, partially because I have to think they're one. losing in week one. I feel one. it coming. I think I know you were out last week, weren't you? You were uh, getting your vacation time in. So, yeah. Oregon, and the listeners are going to be annoyed by this because I've said it a 100 times Oregon returns the most experienced offensive line in college football. Mm-hmm. And the most experienced roster in general in all of college football in terms of starts and production. Auburn has five senior
0: offensive linemen, so it'll be interesting. That'll be a good matchup, but I think Auburn's going to win that game. Text from the six. I think Oregon's going
1: to win that game. LSU will not beat Texas.
0: Okay. Well, I've got Texas. Uh, what do I have? I have, you have Texas, Texas plus 10 plus right 10. now. Yeah. So win or lose, I don't really care, but just keep it close, Horns.
1: A and M's schedule, with all due respect to Tom, they have to go to Clemson in week two. They still, of yeah. course, have to play Alabama. They have to go to Georgia and LSU. Yeah. They're, they're not winning that. Even if they're a very good team. Even if they're a borderline great team. And they go they don't they have LSU at the end of the year. Did you mention that? At Georgia at LSU to finish the yeah. season for Texas A and M. They could be the, the fifth, sixth best team in college football, but be eight and four. Seriously. Yeah. You are not yeah. kidding. We'll continue on this next also. Stephen Jones is talking in Dallas and making a ton of sense while doing it. Sounds like Dak's getting paid, but it doesn't sound like Zeke's getting paid. Maybe it's a bluff? We'll tell you what he said next in Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. On tomorrow's show, you can look forward to us being in Oxford. We'll be live at uh, the Ole Miss Fall Camp Media Day. We'll talk to coaches and players and everybody that they're willing to give us that day. We'll be posted up somewhere in the Manning Center right there on campus while Media Day is going on. We do that every year and uh, looking forward to doing that again this year. So You'll hear from Ole Miss coaches and players getting ready for the beginning of fall camp which begins Friday. From the Mississippi State side... Say, let, me, let me go ahead and get ahead of you. Get, <laughs> go ahead and get ahead of the complaints. That we'll be doing Mississippi
0: Mississippi State's media day is on a Saturday, so we can't do the show from there. But uh, Richard and uh, the group, hopefully Borky, I'm, I'm going to try to get him up there, we will be in Starkville, uh not long uh, after that.
1: Yeah, we will uh, carve out a day to make sure that we also do the same thing for Mississippi State. It just won't be around their media day because... Uh, we, we don't do a show uh, on Saturday. So, But Hey Dad will be there. You'll be there. Where? At Mississippi State Media Day. Yes,
0: I will be there. Yes. Yes. Giving you all the coverage live video on uh, supertalk.fm. And, I'm sorry. Supertalk, at Sports Talk Miss on Twitter. I'm sorry.
1: And practice
0: completely closed to the media? When? Instead state? Yeah. No, we get the uh the first session, the first few sessions. Okay,
1: so you won't see, you'll get to see something, but
0: you won't see you know, we'll have some uh, videos from practice, uh, and then we'll have the, whatever coaches and players are there available to us. Just a a note to, if you want to circle this on the calendar, uh, we will talk to Tommy Stevens for the first time on August fifth.
1: Wow, so they're giving you, and I assume they're giving you KT as well. Yeah, on the same day, August fifth. So we'll they're giving you KT both of KT and Tommy Stevens. I like that. That's who everybody wants to hear from my, from anyway, right? So you might as well give the people what they want. Um, they're not going to tip their hands on that competition though at all. I can't imagine. No, probably not. Well, I mean, it'll only be you know two days into practice. You never know; decisions can be made by then. <laughs> Tommy Stevens is coming. He's hundred percent. We're going with him. <laughs> uh, so you can look forward to that uh, coming up. As far as access goes, do you? Does that bother you? There are some people that are just wholly bothered by the fact that they can't watch practice and stuff anymore, and there are some people that couldn't really care less one way or the other. I've just noticed with NFL training camp and the way that's covered, mm-hmm. that has got to be exhausting. And I know like, yeah. your job is to cover football, and that's fun, but at the same time, these people that, that cover these teams get full, full access, and that means they are every snap Every play, they're videoing, they're charting uh, field goal kickers' kicks, and it's like I could not imagine having to cover every practice as if it was a game because, it's it, one, you don't even really know what you're watching or what they're doing or what they're working on in practice, and two, to do basically game coverage every day has got to be
0: so tedious. I'm sure it's a grind. You know, you talking about three hours a day, especially think about the guys, who, you know, we follow the cover of the Saints out there in the heat and humidity of Metairie, Louisiana at this time of year. So, but it's part of the job, you know, it's just, you got to do what you got to do. You got to give that coverage. You got to give that content to your, to everything we do, everything I do anyway. I don't know. I, I assume Rippey's the same way, but it's for content, man. I'm not out there for my own personal gain. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love my job and I love watching football for free, but you know, I'm doing it for y'all, so I you know, hope you enjoy it. And as I always say, if you like it, tell a friend, and if you don't, tell your enemies.
1: Speaking of coverage, hmm. even though fall camp or training camp is going on right now, this is the kind of dumb crap that happens when we don't have sports. Here's a, a real headline for you. Cam Newton spotted at Charlotte Walmart wearing bizarre outfit. The headline should be he
0: was wearing normal clothes.
1: Yeah, because that's normal Cam for him. Cam Newton
0: in a bizarre outfit is not news.
1: That's like Brian Haydad spotted eating pizza. I mean, It happens. So basically, he had a pair of overalls on without an undershirt. White overalls without an <laughs> that's undershirt. That's not even bizarre. And that it, in the South? You can see that at any Walmart you want to. And he's got like a goofy hat on. But, I mean, this is a headline. And, and there's like people that snuck pictures of Cam Newton because he was dressed kind of funny at a Walmart. We need football more than ever if this is the kind of stuff that is getting covered. I, I'm looking at Fox Sports right now. Cam Newton spotted at a Charlotte Walmart wearing suspenders with no undershirt. That's
0: Fox, of course.
1: But my goodness. That's what coverage is now. I mean, who cares? It'd be different if he was wearing no clothes. That's a story. Yeah. But Cam Newton was wearing clothes while shopping. Yeah. Uh, you, uh... You won't get me to follow that one at all. Speaking of the NFL, we actually had some real stuff yesterday. So Stephen Jones, the the acting uh, GM, even though it's Jerry, I I have a feeling that Stephen's more making the decisions than Jerry in Dallas anymore. He uh, was quoted yesterday. This is fascinating stuff about the dynamic that Dallas is facing with three really good offensive players that all are seeking new deals all at the same time. Here's what Stephen Jones said to reporters yesterday. He said, we've got three really good football players that we're dealing with here and that have very good representation, and they want to see the market. We can't push the issue unless we want to be a market setter, and we're damn sure not going to be a market setter because of all the things that come with being a Dallas Cowboy. We want to be fair. We want uh, our players to feel good about the contract, but at the same time, We don't want to do things that are out of line because we can't afford to be that way, whether it's Dak or Amari or Zeke. They all understand that we have a whole group of young players coming behind them that want to be Dallas Cowboys and want to stay here. When we save money, whether it's with one of the three, it's not saving Jerry and I a dollar. It's just money that goes to another player. We're convinced that we're going to get these deals done. He said straight up, we are not going to be a market setter and that's the deal Ezekiel Elliott is trying to to get a market setting deal I just find this fascinating because this is not old Dallas Cowboys rhetoric this is what a good franchise does a well-run franchise does
0: yeah well, that well that that does make it unusual but I agree with what you're saying the, the between the lines of that is Ezekiel Elliott's not going to get the deal he craves he might get a good deal He's not going to get the one he really, really wants.
1: But my question is, would he agree to it? Well, we'll find that, out. That's the kind of stage we're in right now. And if you're listening, we talk, we've we talked about this almost every day because there's always something, a new layer every day. And Stephen Jones saying, I'm not setting the market, guys. We're not doing that. New Orleans did it. I'm not doing that. We're going to pay you what we think is fair. If you don't want it, you can walk. I, I just hope this isn't a bluff. I hope this isn't a bluff for, for Dak's sake, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because if they don't set the market with Zeke and he walks in the short term, that's probably not good for him. But what he was able to do after they signed Amari Cooper last year, they went 7-1 and one last year after they signed a decent wide receiver for the first time in two years. That can't be ignored. Like His numbers aren't at the elite level, but they won ball games with a really good defense and one decent wide receiver last year. Save that money. Go get me another one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, makes sense. Makes sense. This, like, so we, we talked about the Saints earlier, and they're about to have, you know, what the three three huge parts of their franchise with Kamara and Lattimore and Ramsey when they come eligible. It's really interesting to see how teams have to handle it when, when not one but not two and not three. You got three players that want deals and the salary cap. You know, if there was no salary cap, this is the Cowboys. They would just pay them whatever they want. You know, there'd be no issue with that. But it's it's interesting to see how these teams have to wrangle everything. And, and what's really fascinating to me is, for the most part, the players they just don't seem to they seem, seem to act like it's there's no salary cap. They're like, no, I want my money. Well, we can't do. Well, I don't care. So, which I don't, you know, I don't fault them for get your money, get paid. You know, it's a job.
1: But still, no, you're exactly right, and they may have to pick one, and it. Kind of feels like it would go Dak 1, Amari 2. Yeah, that's, that that appears to be the way they're going to go. That's fascinating, man. I And good for Stephen Jones. By the way, George in, uh, in West Point says he's seen worse out of Walmart than what Cam Newton was wearing. And then Richard and Wiggins says, uh, did he just call his dad Jerry? <laughs> he apparently did that. If I called my dad Jim, his first name... I would still get dropped, at 27 years old, and he would take me too. If I, my dad has passed away, but if I referred to him by his first name, his ghost would come to slap me. <laughs> Could not imagine, like that. That's scary to think about calling my dad Jim. Oh my I would, God. I would, buddy. I would, I would sooner
0: <laughs> no. I would have called the governor Phil yesterday to his face before I call my father by his first name. I'm not comfortable just saying it on the air, for God's sakes. Like Phil, what do you think of this? Before I said, "Hey, Dad." You
1: know? The first time uh, Governor Bryant came into the office when I started here a few like five years ago, when I met him, he called me Junior, and that stuck for like two years. We have gotten out of the nickname Junior, which I'm thankful for. But uh, no, it's good. I
0: didn't know that was your nickname. I would have, I would have, <laughs> ju- I would have jumped in on that.
1: <laughs> Better than squat, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Sports Talk Mississippi.